Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm, I'm glad all of you guys are here. Those in the back, if you would like to come up front, if you want to be part, that'd be ex- excellent. Uh, it's a, a nice day out there. Traffic's terrible down 60, but um, ah, they got to do what they got to do. I want to say hello to all of our online guests as well, our friends and our families that are, visit, are, are tuning in. As you guys know, uh, if it's the first time, livingmessiah.com is our website. You'll find a donate button there, and that's awesome, and we thank you for all your support in, in this ministry and uh, this community here. So let me, um, let me pray, and then I can get into some other little things here real quick. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for this day, a day that we, we delight to enter we, into, we look forward to. Father, we come because we want to um, look into your words, look into who you are, be transformed, Father. And Father, we, we look for your help and your support in our lives, and please continue to do that. We thank you for the redemption we find in your son, Yahshua, our Messiah and our King. Amen. All right, and as you guys know, uh, as far as comments, uh, just raise your hand. There's two mics out there floating mm-hmm. around. The mic will find its way to you. Let's uh, stay on the subject or on the, the text at hand and what we're talking about, that, uh, that helps a lot because we all want to learn together. And when we're, you know, the less we jump around, the, I think the better it is for everybody, wouldn't you say? Um, and make sure you hold the mic close to you when it uh, does come to you so it uh, is clear for those online as well. So uh, really review, let's just, we're following Barnabas and, and Paul. Um, and we have moved on to the mainland. We were on the island of Cyprus following them. So now we're moving on to the mainland. And um, we're going, where we're going is, or where we kind of left off last week, they came to Antioch, another Antioch up in Poseida. Uh, um, Poseida. Uh, um, so that's where they came to. So they went into the congregation that was there on a Shabbat day, just like today, and they sat down. Then after reading uh, the Torah reading and the prophets, the, the rulers of that congregation, you know, they turned to Paul and Barnabas, and, and they said, hey, brothers, travelers, do you have any encouraging words for the community? Well, Saul, he stands up and it says that he motions. I don't know what kind of motion he would have did. Maybe like, brothers, sisters. I, I, don't, I don't know. But he motions, he, uh, he motions with his hands and he does say this, men, Israelites, and those fearing Elohim, those who are fears of the God of Israel, listen, listen. Well, Paul, he can, uh, we're, we'll continue with Paul's addressing this Jewish 
God-fearing assembly at Antioch. Um, we read that Paul, though, I want to bring out last week, we read Paul, he began his address with the foundations, let's say, the foundation of the good news, which he was entrusted to. That foundation, that's, he, starts with, he starts with Exodus, then he goes to the prophet Samuel, following that by, he brings up King Saul, and then King David, and then he begins to do a comparison between David and Yahshua, the Messiah. Um, because what he leaves off with last week, he was saying, speaking of David, according to the promise, according to the promise of Elohim, would raise up for Israel a savior, Yahshua, uh, Yahshua the Messiah. This is what Paul states. This is that one. This is part of, you know, he, uh, this is the promise. And I, I use part of the promise because the promise isn't just one thing. It's, there's more that encompasses the things the Father has promised and said that he would do. So that's why I maybe change that slightly in the mindset that we're going. So we'll continue on here. So um, Paul continues on in his addressing and speaking to this assembly. Both remember Jews and God-fears. And those God-fears are not Jew, not Jews, but those are others from the nations surrounding that decided that the God of Israel I'm going to follow. That's why they're there in the synagogue. Okay, So you have Jews and Gentiles, if you want to use that terminology, in the synagogue. Okay? That's who Paul or Paul's addressing here. So then he continues on in his dialogue. After uh, John, meaning John the Baptist, had first proclaimed the immersion of repentance to all the people of Israel before his coming, and as John or Yohan was um, completing his mission, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not he, but See, there comes one after me, who, who, uh, the sandals whom, whom's feet I am not worthy to loosen. Men, brothers, sons of the race of Abraham, and those among you, again, um, those among you, those Gentiles, those God-fearers among you from other nations who are not Jews, um, fearing Elohim, to you, to you, the word of this deliverance has been sent for those dwelling in Jerusalem and their rulers because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets which were, were read every Shabbat have filled them in having judged him and having found not one cause for death, they asked Pilate that he should put him to death. And this is referring to Yahshua. So, if we just look at what's here, and a lot of this is kind of, I don't want to say review, but we have to get these things in our minds when we're reading. And they're simple. You're going to say, well, that's simple. But what was John's mission? Because he's talking about John. The what was John's mission? Just yell it out. What's the, prepare the way, wasn't it? And that to pair that way was, in part, repenting. Right. Repentance still stands before 
the visitation of the Elo- of our Elohim. It's still sta- meaning repentance hasn't stopped for us to continue to repent. Now, then that brings up the other. Well, what is repentance? Just asking for forgiveness? But now we learn this repentance is actually turning back to his ways, not our inventions, not our theologies, to his very ways. That is repentance. So, so it's interesting to see here, too, um, not just to Abraham, but to the God-fearers to the Gentiles, those of other nations. This word of deliverance has been sent to you. It has come to you. So it has not come just to Israel and the people of Israel. It has always been for all, whoever you are, whomsoever, right? That's that popular, we know that from the New Testament. Whomsoever shall believe. That's, that has not changed, right? You're hearing this message um, from us because they did not know him in the voices. He's referring to those in Jerusalem. Okay? So we're here giving you a message, and, and this is why we're here. What? What is it? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see your hand up. <laughs> I was just going to comment. The, the, the key here is fearing Elohim. We've been talking about that, that that's a phrase that means who who fear the fear of the Lord, fearing Elohim, is they're keeping his Command. commands. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yes, and that's very, very important. So um, so to top that one off, basically these God-fearers are the ones who are obedient to the Torah. The Gentiles are to be obedient to the Torah. But Paul goes on, and he's talking about those in Jerusalem, you know, and he's saying, I'm here, we're here, we're here because, with this message because they did not know him. They did not know him. Even the voices of the prophets, which were read every Shabbat, they did not get it. And he's not condemning everyone. It is specific to those who, who had it out for him, so to speak. It wasn't all Jews, but specifically to me, it's those in Jerusalem, he's talking about those who got together and wanted to get rid of Messiah. But he's saying, you know, because they didn't, they didn't hear the voice of the prophets. Again, what, one of the major things the prophets spoke about, we just talked about it. Repentance. The prophets were always talking about turning back. This turning back, right? So the voices of the prophets, and there's so much more in, in that concept or that I think we could gather from that. You know, the calling of the prophet, that voice of the prophets. But he goes on to say, because it's been read to you every Shabbat, every seventh day, they should, all should know this. Now, I'm going to flip the tables here. We're here every Shabbat, meaning we should know our Bibles. You should be reading your Bibles during the day, during the week, not just on Shabbats, okay? We have to know our Bibles. We have to know the voice of the prophets, what the prophets said. 
And that includes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so what did they say? What was their lives like? But again, if you don't go back, you won't know those voices because the prophets, where they're located, it wasn't, yes, it was about salvation, and yes, I agree, you can see Yeshua in there, but there was much, much more in what the prophets were talking about. And you have to put it in its context. And to know the context, you've got to go back and see what happened from Genesis all the way to the prophets and the context of what the prophets are talking about and how to repent and how to turn back, you know, because ultimately Israel, the people were called out, right? Abraham, Isaac, Israel called out to be a light to the nations, you know? So, so that's every Shabbat, every seventh day, you know. And then he goes on, and having uh, filled them and having judged him, they had done away then ultimately with what was given to them. Can I say that? They kind of done away with what was given to them, the voice of the prophet. They disregarded the voice of the prophet. And along with the voice of the prophets would be everything else that was there. So, yes, I'm going to use that term wrong. They did away with the Torah. That's what Paul's saying. I don't think that's too far to take out of the understanding of what was happening in Jerusalem because we, we, we went through Matthew and John and we saw how much Messiah spoke about how much there was straying going on, right? So basically, that's what I think it was Paul's bringing out here. The voices of the prophets on every Shabbat, okay? Because what had happened then, I think, uh, looking at they, they mixed and replaced the law with their own theologies in some of their own ways is what happened. Right? So we can say that about anyone who picks up the Word of God or the Bible any of the Christian denominations, this is still for, for us and for them as well. Did you disregard the voice of the prophets and the Torah and all that? Well, you're going to end up in some ways then crucifying your Messiah and doing away with him. Oh, maybe not physically, but through traditions and theologies and doctrines that you may come up with that are not founded in something that you threw away. They're only founded in only, so to speak, let's say, the New Testament, right? What's that now? Yeah, having faith in man and what he designed rather than going back and seeing what the voices of the prophets speak about. So to me, that's... there's. Paul's words are loaded to me with so much. And if you, we just breeze right through that, then we're going to miss, to me, some of the things that Paul, what is, he, and what is Paul talking about, right? Because as we all know, as you get later on in the New Testament, there's so much confusion about Paul. But if we don't focus on some of the simple things right here, the voices of the prophet, all right, that are read every Shabbat, which all should be doing, right? So anyhow, they didn't, the point is they didn't listen to the prophets, what they had to say. That's what Paul is bringing out. 
and ultimately Paul was one of those because he can make that accusation, I believe, because he was one of those. He was out persecuting, hunting down the way those who were following this one who was crucified in Jerusalem, right? And again, I already asked you, what was the message of the prophet? To turn back to his law, turn back to Elohim's law. And ultimately, he it, end, or it doesn't end here, but uh, Paul states, there was no cause for death. There was no cause to kill him, and that being Yeshua. And then they had a, and then when they accomplished all that was written concerning him, man, see, he's using somewhere there must be a voice in the prophets about him. At least that's what Paul's inferring to us, right? Taking him down from the timber, they laid him in a tomb. But Elohim raised him from the dead. And he was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news, the promise made to the fathers that Elohim has fulfilled this for us, with, uh, their children, having raised up Yahshua as it also has been written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have brought you forth. Again, I'm sorry, there's so much here that we just can't just blow right through. Because we want to understand Paul, right? A lot of people say, well, you know, Peter even says, Paul's hard to understand. Well, let's take our time to understand what Paul's talking about, so maybe he won't be so hard for us, right? We can only hope. But the one thing that stands out here is the good news. The good news. Okay? I know all of our backgrounds where we've come from, that's, Usually the good news is just Yeshua died and resurrected and now you can be in heaven. Okay? If I'm, I'm not trying to make light of that, I'm just saying that seems to be so streamlined that's all that there is to it. But if we look clearer here what Paul, one of the advocates of, I would say, modern Christianity, sometimes maybe too much, over Messiah's own words, but anyhow, we're looking at Paul. Paul says, we bring you the good news, the promise made to the fathers. So we got to ask ourselves, who's the fathers here? Because it sounds like the good news was given to the fathers. So, it, so could I say that sounds like the good news wasn't new at all? Yes. Yeah, speak. I think of the good news, you know, made to the fathers. I think of Abraham, and then the good news with the blessings that he'll bless those that, that bless you and curse those that curse you. No, I I agree that that good news. And see, to me, that's the foundation. Because if we get rid of where the good news come and what good news is, and the foundations that make 
this news good, then maybe in some ways we won't know how good it is, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? But it's interesting. So ultimately, the way I see what Paul's talking in his wording here, the good news, uh, it wasn't something new, okay? It wasn't something new. The good news was the promise. But what was that promise? What was promised to the fathers? And I would suggest, yeah, the fathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarch. What was promised to them? Go ahead. Oh, just raise your hand. The mic will come to you. The promised land? Promised land is one of them. Because it's named, <laughs> we, we call it the promised land. Yes, that was one of them. But there was, to me, other promises given to the, Mark, other promises given to the patriarchs. Why were they awaiting this good news? Why was it good news? So you see how the Father intertwines our messages today because we're going to be talking about these promises. She mentioned the land. He promised that they would be able to call him their Elohim which there's a group of people that weren't able to do that until Yeshua came. He promised that they would be in covenant relationship with him. He promised them that they would live in safety. That he would dwell among, among them. So you see already, oh, this promise, oh, it, it's big. It's just not one promise. It seems like there's promises that make the promise, right? And we're going to look at the how, you know, I mean, we see how Messiah plays a part of that. So this good news, in some sense, isn't new, okay? But what it does, I think, it makes Messiah part of something that already was established. Paul, Brother Paul. So, and that's part of the promise to Abraham, and then even to Paul. So, let me pick your brain. How far does it go back? If you're just looking at basic hermeneutics of where it begins in Scripture, does it go back before Abraham? Oh, I, yes. I personally so think it is. we're going all the way back. We can go. I, I, I know in Paul's conversation, he, he didn't go back that far. But, yes, that promise to me came right that day that they got ejected out of the garden, that there would be one that would come from a woman and save us again so we can get back to the tree of life and live. Cause we don't have that access, physical access right now, only through a promise given. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. So, yes, this pro you see what I'm saying? This promise, it's Messiah's the, <laughs> Messiah, who he is and what he's all about goes way, way back. And we can't just throw out all those little components uh, the little, let's say, stories about Noah 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they were all given to us. I'm going to use, I think it's Rabbi Foreman. I really like this gentleman the one time he said something, because how do you, the Bible, what kind of book is it? You know, some, oh, it's a history book. Others, you know, play, it's a poetry book, because there's poems, there's history. It's just, a, it's a novel, and, you know, all this type. And he says, I think you got to know, he said, how did he say, you got to know the genre to understand the book, right? If you go in and you're picking up a book and you don't know the genre, you're going to be confused. So if you go and pick up the Bible think it's just a history book, man, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. But the, the rabbi, he said, if you look at it as it's a, a guidebook, because that's ultimately what it is, a guide. Harry Beth. So the promise isn't new, because we know that's from way back. But I think what, they, what was new was they had just seen this fulfilled, that Yeshua rose from the dead, and they're seeing this fulfillment of these promises. Exactly. Of being the good news. Which is good, yeah, which is good news. And I guess in my point, I'm not trying to put down uh, the good news. All I'm trying to let's make sure we encompass what it's all about you know, and the foundations, and it is good news. It finally has come, that news, that promise that the Father has made. We see it. I accept it in this one called Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of clarify a term that I use, hermeneutics or the law first mentioned. It's kind of like if I'm looking at you from a distance through a telescope, and I don't see clearly, but as I draw closer and closer, I can see more detail. So first mention doesn't rule out anything else, but it does allow to build upon and build upon the foundation that's already been laid out. So when you're talking about the good news, the good news becomes clearer and becomes more revealed and then becomes activated as it is, however you want to finish that up. Yes. No, I, so I, I just think this is so amazing going back for me this time and looking at Paul's words and I got to say there's so much that was sitting right here that you know I went red axe and just woo, you breeze right through it and I'm like oh my god all this and that came because when I come to see that you know what I um one of the things let's say I'm going to go to this point uh when I like came back to the Lord, that terminology, you know, I was in church and, you know, uh, his sheep know his voice. And I'm like, huh. how does that work? Honestly, do you hear stuff? Yeah, because I've heard other people hear audible and that. And I don't know if I'd be too comfortable with that myself, to be honest, you, you know. But how do I hear? Then it started as I was looking at how I, well, I have to look at what he said, and then when I look at what he said and where it's all coming from, then as I started going back and saying, this is how I'm going to understand the voice of my father, because we, uh, you always have that image, you know, the angry guy on the mountain with all these laws, right, and then this cool hippie dude, Jesus guy loves everybody and he's going to save everything, but that is weird when you start really looking at it because he does everything that his father does 
He did all the, that's where his power came from. So that means I got to get to know this, so to speak, angry God that's on the mountain, what he expects of me. And when you do that, you begin to see, oh, no. <laughs> Merciful, correct. A father who wants everything for you. And you see the things he did to accomplish that. And where he bowed himself down, even sometimes in a sense, belittled himself so you could come, like Mark was saying, and have a relationship. A relationship began at Mount Sinai in some, a lot of ways. So you, that's what I began to see and being, knowing that I have to go back and understand his voice. You know, what really was Messiah saying? I, I get some of his parables, and then, wow, I, you end up having to understand the voice of the Father. What did the Father say? How did he deal with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? How did he, okay, then you got Sodom, good more. He just wiped them out. Oh, angry God. Well, not until you get to know the wholeness of everything that's going on and None of us can comprehend the bigger, bigger, bigger picture. But you begin to see this like, man, our God is not heartless. <laughs> he has emotions. It's in us. He cares. The only thing is he, he's good at being consistent and controlling all that he is. It's just, oh. anyhow, so let's continue on here where I kind of, Sorry, I kind of took us off a little rabbit trail, maybe. But these promises, and one of the promises I thought was interesting, especially speaking, that came was through Moses. Because remember, Moses says, one like me, he's going to raise up amongst you. And that only solidifies that same statement that I made, that there will be a man-child from a woman who will... Get us all back to the garden, you know? Even if you look at Eve and even the thing, uh, Hava, and the, uh, what she said, I have, uh, how is it, um, Cain, Abel, and then Seth, right? But what she, how she speaks, it's interesting. To I have acquired a uh, cane. I have acquired another man. And uh, anyhow, sorry, I'm getting off. Anyhow, so we get back to Moses. Moses promised that there would be one like him. And again, we talked with that about a couple weeks ago. So that means Messiah, if he is that one like Moses, then Messiah is going to be like Moses. He's going to be a lawgiver. He's going to be one who teaches the law. And if you look real close at Mount Sinai, Moses says, wipe me out if you're not going to go with us. Moses is ready to lay his life down for all of Israel. The only thing is, Moses wasn't the one that was going to lay his life down. That was Yeshua. So even there, what a picture. To me, what a picture. So, how does that change anything? Or does it change anything at all with this good news? Like my, my wife pointed out, yes, you see this, that promise has come. And we see that in the Messiah. 
So that means we have so much hope. We have hope. That's awesome. But what we find here, as the narrative goes on, how Paul's speaking to uh, his brethren, so to speak, in these God-fearers, King David becomes part of the narrative in this witnessing of the good news, okay? And obviously, yes, right off the bat, oh, yeah, like King David, he was, um, he was anointed. He was a Mashiach, basically. He was anointed as much, and he was a king. And remember, the, any king had the title of son of Elohim, son of God. So, of course, King David's going to be part of the narrative, which only makes sense. But he says that Paul, reference, uh, Paul is referencing the second psalm here. And that's what I want to start to get into. I want to point out, we should be able to get into this, yeah. Take note of refuge in him. This idea of taking refuge in him. Excuse me, one second. Sorry, my allergies are just out of whack. <laughs> Plus my emotions when I talk about things. Psalm, the second psalm is what he says. And it says this, Why do the Gentiles, why do the nation and the peoples meditate emptiness? The sovereigns or the kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers take counsel against who? Against Yahweh and against his anointed. And that could be king. Not just Messiah, but I think there's a dual thing. They take counsel against who he anointed to be over them. Right? Against his Messiah. And you know what they say? You know what the rest of the nations and everybody else says? Let us tear off their body. I don't want that law. I can eat anything I want now. Ah, off with that. Throw away their ropes from us. I, that's bondage. That's legalism. Sorry, I'm kind of adding things here. But he who sits in the heavens laughs. Yahuwah mocks at them. Got to be careful of that part, right? He speaks to them in his wrath and troubles them in his rage, saying, But I, I have set my king, my sovereign, in Zion, my set-apart mountain, I inscribe a law, instructions for him. Yahweh has said to me, you are my son, today I have brought you forth. That's what Paul's referencing, this idea about a king who's a son. And a son, if you want to be a son, you've been inscribed with instructions on how to be a son if you're called to be a son. In this case, he's a king. And I would say that goes for anyone who's being called a child. That's the son in Hebrew, b'nai, is also the pluricity used for all. There's no daughters, so to speak. If, when it's the sons of Israel, it can also be understood. 
I'm taking a little bit further, as the children, all of them, they use benay. Psalm 2 continues, ask of me. He's talking to his king or his, his children, maybe. And I make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. Remember Hasatan, let's say the accuser in the wilderness kept on saying to Messiah, right? If you only bow down, I'll give you all the kingdoms, right? Anyhow. But he says, break them with a rod of iron, dash them to pieces like the potter's vessel, and know, and now, be wise, O you kings, be instructed. There's that law. Make sure you instructed, you rulers of the earth. Serve Yahuwah with fear and rejoice with trembling. That's weird, isn't it? Rejoice with trembling. Wow. Serve Yahuwah with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be enraged. And you perish in the way, for soon his wrath is to be kindled. But blessed are those taking refuge in him. Those who take refuge in him. That's an interesting term. And I, to me, I discovered there's a lot behind that. This idea of being given refuge because we i mean i'm not saying that our ideas are not wrong but there's a little bit more to refuge and what it's associated with and why you get refuge and why you will have refuge paul continues and that he raised them out of the dead no more to return to corruption. He has said thus, I shall give you the trustworthiness, kindness of David. For this reason, he also said in another psalm, which is Psalm 16, you, sh uh, you shall not give your kind ones to see corruption. For David indeed, having uh, served his own uh, served his own generation by the counsel of Elohim, has fallen asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. But he whom Elohim raised up saw no corruption. Let it therefore be known to you, brothers, that through this one forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Now, what makes this kind of interesting? If you go back to the beginning of Acts 2, 29 and 30, these are the words of Peter. Peter uses the same idea. Men and brothers, let me, at Pentecost, right? Just as a reference point, you know, at Shavuot. Men and brothers, let me speak boldly to you of our ancestor David, that he died and he was buried in a tomb with us this day. Being a prophet, then, and knowing that Elohim had sworn with an oath to him of the fruit of his loins according to the flesh, basically there's going to be a man-child that Moses spoke about too, right? 
fruit of the flesh, according to the flesh, to raise up the Mashiach, anoint, an anointed one, a king even, right? To sit on his throne. So Peter uses this same idea about this seed of David, this one who will not see corruption, because they're comparing, okay, basically in short, it's like, okay, you know the Psalms talked about David, you know, and how there was this promise. To me, Paul's taking it a little bit further because he's introducing resurrection in here, not just deliverance. And we'll look at this, and well, let's take a look at that. Paul's trying to make a point. Because the, the reference, if you, let me read 16. Yeah, we got time. Because oh. in 16, Paul, uh, David, he's being chased by Saul, right? And how many times you read, you've read the Psalms, David's crying out, save me, help me. Oh, my God, help me. All right? He went through a lot of turmoil in his life. That's, there was. So, some of the things I read on Psalm 16, because this is where your kind one will not see corruption, uh, one of the major places that Paul was referencing. You know, I read a lot of commentary. Well, that Psalm is about because he's being chased by David, and I, or by, uh, David's being chased, pursued by uh, uh, Saul. And I agree. And a lot is said, well, it's just basically in a nutshell, you know, he was looking for the deliverance of being killed, of death, but not out of death, meaning resurrection, right? Which I can like, okay, I agree with you, but if you start looking at this word corruption and what's around this word corruption, it's always in light of the pit, the grave, being brought down low. So let's look at this. And... For me, I think there's more to Psalm 16 than just that. Let's read it, and we may have to come back next week. And this will give you an opportunity to read it at home and look at some of these words as well. So let's read it, and then we can close, because it's an awesome psalm to close with anyhow. Guard me, O L, my God, for I have taken refuge in you. Remember, what is going to be, how do you take refuge in the Most High? How does he give refuge? I have said to Yahuwah, you are Yahuwah. You are the one who causes all things. You are life. I have no good beside you. There's nothing good in me except you. As for the set-apart ones, those holy ones, who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after other, after another, one are increased. I would not pour out uh, their drink offering of blood, nor take up their names on my lips. He's comparing the set-apart ones are set-apart to Elohim, his people, verse those who choose to go down another path to whatever the other gods might be or ideas. Yahweh is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You uphold my lot. 
boundary lines or the lines have been given. Lines have fallen on me in pleasant places. Indeed, a good inheritance is mine. I bless Yahuwah who has given me counsel. My kidneys also instruct me in the night. I have set, here it is, this is where the refuge comes in. I have set Yahuwah always before me because he is my right hand and I am not shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and all the weight, uh, all the weight of who I am rejoices. Uh, esteem is kavod. Uh, well, yeah. My flesh also dwells safely. For you do not leave my being to the grave, neither let your kind one see corruption. You show me the path of life. I'm sorry, here is really where you find where you get refuge. You've shown me the path of life. In your presence is joy to satisfaction. At your right hand are pleasures forever. What I want to do, yeah, this real quick. I think I have, and I, a lot of you like to do this. This kind one, this word, is very interesting. Chasid. It's the Strong's number. 26-23. And if you could remember, 26-23, the Hebrew, I know a lot of you like to look at this word, and look at where it's located and the words associated w that come from this word. And then next week, we'll come back and we'll hopefully see there's much more what Paul is talking about. And he is clearly talking about resurrection and this is the hope that's always been there in the psalms it's been in the scriptures always yes a quick comment on psalm 16 7 that you read uh, in the translation you read it said my kidneys instruct me i think uh no i don't i can't see it from there in the night yeah does that say kidney my kidneys also instruct me in the night the word kidney is always, there's a relation to our heart, mind, and soul mm. uh, with the word kidney. What is the Hebrew word for kidney? Uh, I forget right now, but yes, yeah, so the meaning is our heart, mind, and soul. Maybe something like our conscience, conscience instruct us during the night. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Polly. So let me close in prayer, and then we'll get back to um, this, and then really analyzing what Saul and Barnabas, and hopefully you have more appreciation to what's in the good news and why it's even better than what you thought it was, okay? Father Yahuwah, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, you are merciful. You have shown us kindness. You, Father, you've displayed so much, and Father, First, forgive us and help us so we can become more and more in the image of your Son. Father, that's our desire. <clears throat> we thank you and we believe that report that is your very words became flesh and that he, your only brought forth Son, Yahshua, has laid his life down, has taken it back up again, and he is now bringing us home to you according to your ways. We thank you. 
Amen. Shabbat shalom. I'm glad all of you guys came out. Those online, thanks for joining. And we'll get back to this next week.